Amen. I'll take a lot of that showers of mercy and grace. How about you? Glory to God. And it's fallen in this place. So that means it's fallen on you. Glory to God. You all may be seated. We're going to go ahead and get started with our third week. We're excited to continue with that. Our topic, of course, as you all know, is Reverend uh, Tony Cook's book, Grace, the DNA of God. So let's go ahead and get started. Lesson six in our series on grace. Uh, we're going to be looking at some really fun things in this session. We're going to be talking about how grace works together uh, with other spiritual forces. I'll use that term, spiritual forces, for lack of a better term. Uh, we need to understand that grace was never meant to stand alone as some isolated type of doctrine. Grace works together. If I can borrow a term from our elementary report cards when we were little kids, grace plays well with others. In the last session, we talked about how grace and faith work together, how grace and knowledge are connected, grace and humility, grace and boldness. And we're going to be looking at how grace interacts and interplays with other spiritual truths from God's Word. Um, you know, I've, I've been in ministry since 1980, and I've seen a lot of things where people, uh, just not trying to be real critical, but they just get off in error, they get imbalanced, they get into extremes, and usually it's because they take one truth and ignore all of the other biblical truths that are meant to work with it collaboratively. They often, sometimes it's because they get so excited about a truth that they will take that one truth and put it up on a, on a high pedestal. And in doing that, they dislodge it from its, its scriptural context and they end up with a, a problem uh, in the way that they handle that. Grace was never meant to be isolated from the other truths of the Bible. Let me share this with you in the context of a lesson I did years ago as reading the book of James and and you know many many people have noticed this before I'm by no means some discoverer of this truth but I noticed that James uh presented an an array of spiritual truths together. In James chapter 1 verse 2 he said count it all joy my brethren, when you fall into various temptations, knowing that the trying of your faith uh, works or produces patience or endurance. And he said, let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, lacking nothing. And if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God, and God will 
give it liberally. And, and I noticed that there were four spiritual truths that, um, that uh, James rather listed there. He talked about joy. He talked about faith. He talked about patience. And he talked about wisdom. And out of that, I, I developed a message called the four-wheel drive Christian. And how that there are times in our life, especially difficult times, you stop and think about when people need a four-wheel drive vehicle, it's when there's a blizzard or people are in mud, you know, things like that. A conventional vehicle, you know, you may very well get stuck in, but four-wheel drive, you're going to get out of a lot of places. And, and I liken that to these four biblical truths. You see, some people, if there was a time when faith was being elevated and exalted almost to the point where, you know, no other truth mattered. Just everything was by faith. Well, experientially, it wasn't long until people found out that, you know, faith is wonderful. We never want to underestimate the importance of faith, but faith isn't the only thing in the Bible. There's things there about wisdom, and there's things about patience, and there's things about walking in love. Uh, and our life will go much better if we walk by faith and by wisdom and by love and by patience. You know, the, the, Jesus said this, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word comprehensively that, that proceeds from the mouth of God. And so what we want to do with this topic of grace is we want to love the grace of God, celebrate the grace of God, but, but we want to see the grace of God integrated into all the other complementary biblical truths that are a part of the grace of God. I want you to take an idea, uh, a thought about justification. You know, justification is a Bible word, a theological word that means to be right, uh, to be made right before God. And one of the great truths of the Bible is that we have been justified by Jesus Christ. Uh, the book of Romans is a very powerful book about justification. And if you read the book of Romans, you will find that the book of Romans identifies four different spiritual principles that all contribute to our justification. For example, in Romans chapter 3 and verse 24, the Bible says that we are justified by His grace. And so we can celebrate that because of the grace of God. We have been made right with God. Uh, you know, God's not holding our sins against us anymore. Uh, Jesus took our sins on the cross, and, and we have been justified by God's grace. But if you read just a chapter further, uh, Romans chapter 4, verse 25 in the Amplified says that Jesus was raised for our justification. So now we find out that we're not only justified by grace, but we're justified by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then, if we read just a little further, Romans chapter 5, verse 1, a verse we looked at in our last video session, uh, the Bible says we have been justified by faith. 
so now we're justified by grace we're justified by the resurrection we're justified by faith and if you read just a few verses later into Romans chapter 5 verse 9 the Bible says having now been justified by his blood so we're, how are we really justified? Uh, is it by grace? Is it by the resurrection? Is it by faith? Is it by the blood of Jesus? How were we really justified? And the answer is yes. Uh, we were justified by all of that. I want you to understand that none of these f issues, forces, for lack of a better term, none of these spiritual truths are contradictory. There is no jealousy between the resurrection of Jesus and the blood of Jesus. There is no competition between faith and grace. All of these work together in a wonderfully unified, harmonized purpose. Where people get into doctrinal trouble is when they take, for example, one of those and begin to exclude the others and begin to act like one spiritual truth trumps or invalidates or uh, makes unnecessary another spiritual truth. Again, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. I, if, I hope that you're following in this series, not only listening, but I hope you're reading and, and, and getting into this from the book standpoint as well. On page 228, we have a list that shows uh, many, many, many of the different spiritual truths that collaborate with the grace of God. And we don't have time in this video session to go through it, but uh, the chapter, let me find out the chapter heading is, it's chapter 19, and it's, it's rightly called Complementary Attributes, because grace was never meant to stand alone. These are some of the things that the Bible uh, pairs with grace there are several verses that talk about how grace will influence our speech. Uh, grace and glory are often paired together. Grace and humility, uh, strength and wisdom and grace are put together. Grace and truth go together. Uh, in, in the New Testament, we see grace and the churches. How did the churches respond to the grace of God? Uh, grace and salvation. Grace and the gospel. Uh, grace and justification. Grace and uh, the concept of gift go together. Grace and righteousness. Grace and eternal life. Uh, grace and thanksgiving. Uh, and, and the list just go on and on and on. So um, if you really want to have a, a healthy view of grace, you'll want to understand how grace plays well with others. You'll want to find out how does grace interact and interplay. And I want to take one specific thought in the remainder of the time in this session. Because people often will see a thought, an idea from one angle and one angle only. And they end up missing some really important information.
And for example, we're going to talk in this list, and again, if you're following in the book, what I'm about to share is from chapter 12 in the book uh, called Saved to What? We know what we're saved from, but what are we saved to? And I want to talk about the issue of works. Now, just the very mention of the name works can often stir up certain feelings, emotions, and thoughts in people's minds. When I use the word works, to many people that's just entirely negative. Uh, They will think of the works of the law. We are not saved by the works of the law. Uh, We aren't saved by our own works. Um, That type of thing. And you know what? That's, That's a valid thought. That's a valid impression. But what we have to ask ourselves is this question, is that all that the Bible talks about is works in a negative context? Or is there a positive context of works that is not opposed to grace, but is actually connected to grace? Think about that. Are there works spoken of in the Bible that actually have a a vital connection to the grace of God. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8, and we're going to look at this relationship between grace and works. If we want to have good, solid doctrine, if we want to stay in, in truth, then we need to know how these different uh, Bible principles, how these different Bible truths uh, interact with one another. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, Paul says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. I want you to understand, you did not originate your own salvation. Your salvation, your forgiveness, uh, your acceptance before God, your being made right before God did not originate in you. It originated in Him. He is the source. He is the basis of love, mercy, grace, forgiveness, redemption, righteousness. Anything that we have that could be considered uh, to be the basis for our salvation, it didn't come from us. It came from Him. Look at this again. For by grace... You have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. You say, but it was my faith. It really wasn't your faith originally. Where did your faith come from? Your faith came by hearing the Word of God. So even what you call your faith, it really was based on something that God gave you. So you can't even brag about your faith. Your faith is based on having heard His Word. So His Word gave birth to your faith. By grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the, what is it? It is the gift of God. And notice what he says in verse 9. It is not of works. It is not of yourself, and it is not of works, lest anyone should boast. So let's just establish this. You and I, we did not earn our salvation. We did not work 
for our salvation. We don't do performance uh, stuff to merit our salvation. Our salvation is a gift from God. It is not of ourselves, and it is not of works, and you and I don't have anything to brag about. God gets all of the credit and all of the glory because He is the source of our salvation. It's not of works. I think we're clear on that. And the next verse, verse 10, though, says something interesting. It says, For we are His workmanship. How many of us consider ourselves to be God's workmanship? And how many of us can honestly say, He's still working on me? I'm still a work in progress. You know, even though I was born again, and spiritually I am the righteousness of God in Christ because of the gift that He put in me and because of who He made me as a new creature, I'll tell you what, my mind is still getting renewed and my body is still, you know, being disciplined and my body is being presented to God as a a living sacrifice and so on. Paul said, I keep my body under, um, you know, so... Uh, we're we're a work in progress. Paul says we are his workmanship. We have been created in Christ Jesus. Notice those next three words: for good works. What a contrast! We are not saved by works, but we are saved for good works. And he he goes on to qualify that. We have been created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So here's what I want you to see. I want you to see that works are not the root of our salvation, but works are the fruit of our salvation. We are not saved by works, but we are saved for works, good works, which God specifically has prepared beforehand. So when we fully embrace the grace of God, there is one type of work, one type of effort, one type of performance that really dies we die to the idea of earning our salvation or I'm going to work so hard God will love me or I'm going to work so hard that God will accept me. We die through the grace of God. We die to any kind of work that would secure our righteousness, our forgiveness, our acceptance, or even the love of God. Listen, you don't earn the love of God by how hard you work. Uh, so if we're trying to earn it, if we're trying to perform our way into God's approval, then we've really missed the boat as far as understanding how God really truly operates because God operates by grace. We are saved by grace through faith, not of ourselves. It's the gift of God. Um, it's not of works lest anyone should boast. So we are saved and forgiven completely and, ex and, and, and absolutely uh, by the grace of God. We receive it. We accept that gift by faith. Now that we're saved, 
now that we are a new creature in Christ Jesus, we begin to awaken to the plan and the purpose of God, especially works that God has prepared beforehand. You know, you were created for a purpose. You were created for a reason. And you were created to actually do certain things on this earth. And those are the good works which God has prepared beforehand that you and I are to walk in them. They are never the cause of our salvation. They are to be the result, the outflowing of our salvation. In the book of Titus, chapter 3, we're going to look at another really powerful passage of Scripture where Paul essentially says the same thing. And that's one thing about truth. When God communicates truth in Scripture, if it's really important, he'll have different people say it, or he'll have it repeated from different perspectives, and uh, there will be a... a uh, like the Bible says, out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every truth, let every word be established. In Titus chapter 3 and verse 3, Paul kind of launches into this um, discussion of how lost we really were. Titus 3, 3, he says, For we ourselves were once also foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. That's a pretty ugly description of the sin nature, you know, the the, the sin in the world and, and that was part of our lives at one time. But he says in verse 4, But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared... Aren't you glad that when we were at our very worst, God gave us his absolute best? When we were at our ugliest, the beauty of God came in the, in the love and in the person of Jesus Christ. Not by works of righteousness which we have done. God's love for us was not based on any great wonderful thing you or I had done not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit whom He poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. That having been justified by His grace. Isn't that an amazing statement? You know, everything that he has just said up to this point, is, is he is summarizing it by saying, we have been justified by his grace. And what happens as a result of that? That we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. What an amazing promise. What an amazing demonstration of the love of God that when we were at our absolute worst, when we were at our absolute ugliest, God gave us his very best in the person of Jesus Christ. And what Jesus did for us in dying, shedding his blood, being raised from the dead, I'm telling you, we have been justified by his grace. And Paul stresses it is not based on works of righteousness which we have done. So again, we are not saved by works.
But you know what's really amazing? Is that in Titus chapter 3, after he tells us in verse 7 that we have been justified by his grace, do you know what the very next verse is? Verse 8, Paul says to Titus, now Titus was a pastor, and he says, Titus, this is a faithful saying. And these things I want you, Pastor Titus, to affirm constantly. In other words, I want you to tell your congregation this frequently. That those who have believed in God should be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable to men. I think that is so amazing. We are not saved by works, but we are told to engage in good works. What does that mean? It means that our works are not the root of our salvation, but good works are to be the fruit of our salvation. We don't work to earn salvation, but we work to express our salvation. Uh, we, uh, you know, grace is not a cop-out from working for God. Actually, grace is a catalyst that should inspire us to work for God. You know, any person who says, I've come to such a, a deep and profound appreciation of grace, I have insight and illumination of grace, you know, that person should be a good worker for God, not motivated by guilt, not motivated by shame, not motivated by condemnation, not motivated by a fear of if I don't work hard, God won't love me, or if I don't work hard, God won't accept me. No, those are all settled issues. Because of grace, I am loved. Because of grace, I am accepted. Because of grace, I am righteous. But you know what? I am so appreciative and so thankful for the grace of God. I believe that that grace will then inspire me to be a love-motivated worker for God. A person who understands grace should be the hardest worker in the church. They shouldn't be looking for ways not to do things. They should be looking for ways to give and to serve because their heart is so overflowing with gratitude and appreciation. Do you remember that verse we looked at in 1 Corinthians chapter 15? By the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace which was bestowed on me was not in vain, uh, but I lay Labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. True grace not only gives you the gift of salvation that is not based on works, but it will also inspire you to engage in good works for the benefit of others. Let me just share this with you in closing. Matthew chapter 5 verse 16, Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And Jesus said in John 14, 12, most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. 
and greater works than these will he do because I go to the Father. I want you to understand grace means that we are not saved by works, but we are saved unto good works. Thank God for his grace and thank God for knowing that we're fully accepted because of the blood of Jesus Christ apart from anything that you and I would do, our performance doesn't cause us to be saved, but because we have been saved because of the free gift of God, we get to show appreciation and honor to God and and work for Him and allow His grace to manifest through us in good works. God bless you. We'll see you next time. Praise God. Well, wasn't that excellent? I'm telling you, his amazing grace. Hallelujah. Well, before we dismiss our um, online audience tonight, we're going to go ahead and um, ask you, if you are uh, viewing for the first time, if you would please be so kind as to uh, text to the word welcome. We want to connect with you after, and we want to make sure that we can answer any questions for you or perhaps just tell you a little bit more about Heart of the Bay Christian Center. So if you're viewing for the first time, before we say goodnight, if you'd be so kind as to text, welcome to the uh, number up on the screen, 510-800-8310. Thank you so much. We want to remind you that the uh, discussion questions are on our website at heartofthebay.org. You can follow the group link at the top of the home page, and you can find them there. So we want to thank you for joining us tonight. We hope that we can see you on Sunday morning at 10 a.m., and we want to um, say just good night and God bless you.